Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A fascinating and moving account of the romantic and creative partnership of storyboard artist Harold Michelson and film researcher Lillian Michelson, two unsung heroes of Hollywood's golden age. Harold and Lillian worked on hundreds of renowned films, including The Ten Commandments, The Apartment, The Birds, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, The Graduate, Rosemary's Baby, Fiddler on the Roof, Scarface, Full Metal Jacket, and many more. Although the couple was responsible for some of Hollywood's most iconic examples of visual storytelling, their contributions remain largely uncredited. Through an engaging mix of love letters, film clips, and candid conversations with Harold and Lillian, Danny DeVito, Mel Brooks, Francis Ford Coppola, and many others, this deeply engaging documentary from Academy Award-nominated film director Daniel Rame chronicles their remarkable marriage and extraordinary career through six decades of movie-making history. The film is called Harold and Lillian, a Hollywood love story, and we are fortunate enough to have with us today the director of Harold and Lillian, and that would be Daniel Rehm. Daniel, welcome to Film School. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> it is it's truly uh, a, it is a wonderful film, and I mean that in every sense of the word. It is a uh, engaging film. It's fun to watch. It's fun to see two people so much in love and have so much in common. Tell me a little bit about your introduction to Harold and Lillian. Sure. Uh, so Harold Lillian, I first met them when I was at the American Film Institute in 1997. Uh, I'd started making um, a documentary around that time about my uh, professor at the AFI, production designer, Hitchcock production designer, Robert Boyle, who designed The Birds, and Harold was his storyboard artist, and he invited Harold to teach a class at the AFI about storyboarding and Eventually, Harold and Lillian and Robert Boyle and myself uh, took a trip to Bodega Bay, where they had shot the birds 37 years earlier mm -hmm. uh, for my first documentary. And that was my introduction to the, this amazing world and these great people. You know, and it, just that part of the film, I'm going to kind of jump ahead a little bit because mm -hmm. Harold is such an accomplished artist. Um, and one of the things that is so amazing about his career and about his work, and, and it's in the film, is to see his illustrations and see how closely hewn they are to the film that we're all so familiar with when you talk about the birds. Were you were you struck by... What, what was your reaction when you saw his his drawings, in, in his storyboards, in regard to this film? Yeah, so re with, with regard to the birds, so every film is unique in terms of what Harold did for that film or how he collaborated with the director or or how he came up with certain shots. And in The Birds, Harold, uh, this is 1962, and Harold was invited by Hitchcock to come up to Bodega Bay and be by his side and storyboard the continuity, storyboard exactly what the camera would see uh, based on the script, which uh, was mainly just dialogue or an indication of the action, but to kind of dream up or conceptualize how that action would take place visually using Hitchcock's tech, you know, cinematic grammar, this kind of blurring the lines of subjective and objective storytelling, 
was a real learning turning point in Harold's sort of career, as he calls Hitchcock. You know, he, he says that Hitchcock is cinema, and Harold benefited from having uh, spent spending about two to three years doing two consecutive films with Hitchcock, Marnie after that, so The Birds and Marnie, and learning how Hitchcock thinks and how Hitchcock works. And I think what Harold fundamentally called, you know, the storyboard script for the storyboard book that I saw of Harold's work on the birds. He called it a visual screenplay. And it's really fascinating to see how Harold sort of brought Hitchcock's vision to life. I, I'm curious, when I was watching that, I'm, I was curious. Now, obviously, his drawings are based on conversations that he had with Hitchcock, or is that Am I being accurate? Even it is, no, not at all. So okay. his drawings are based on a few things. At Hitchcock had the luxury, the financing, and this, you know, at, at that time at Universal Studios, he had a bungalow, and he could have all of his department heads at a meeting before the script was written. Hitchcock often had a very clear idea of the story and the scenes and the and the action that would be taking place. Um, long before the the screenwriter would would begin to formulate the sort of three act narrative structure and he could you know he had the luxury of having sort of this genius level group of uh artists um department heads the production designer cinematographer costume designer uh editor the cameraman all these people were with him in a room and Harold was there too and he would describe these shots that he had in mind and Harold would make these thumbnail sketches, and so would Robert Boyle, the production designer. And they would begin to kind of conceptualize how to bring Hitchcock's vision to life, both artistically and technically, especially with The Birds. It was a very technical film. So um, it was it really what I learned in making this documentary is to what degree Hitchcock really relied on these uh, artists that he worked with, mm. and, uh, his department heads, like Harold. It's interesting. I feel like we kind of jumped ahead a little bit I, I, because I'm so taken in watching Harold hmm. and Lillian, uh, A Hollywood Love Story, by that. Per, there's some sequences in here that are just utterly amazing. And to understand that process of translation from what the director envisions into that storyboard and then seeing it so closely resemble what we saw in the film is really an amazing uh, thing in your film and uh, for someone like myself and to our audience who cares about filmmaking it is just a fascinating thing a part of uh, a, a part of this film and a part of just seeing it in kind of in in action in in your film but sure. I, I think we need to ba step back a, a little bit because um, let's go back to how the beginnings of the relationship between Harold and Lillian talk, talk us talk us through how they came to know one another Sure, absolutely. So just sort of in reference to what you're saying, I mean, there is the movies about the arc of their life together, yeah. which, you know, we're looking at the their kind of the whole career, but the film begins uh, when they met in the night, right after World War II. Uh, Lillian was Harold's sister's best friend. She was this brilliant bookworm orphan who who was nine, 17 at the time, and Harold had just come home from the war. He was a bombardier navigator, and it, it, it wasn't like love at first sight. Maybe it was for Harold, but it took Lillian a couple of years to warm up to him. And the film explores the sort of path of how they came together and 
um, faced many challenges together during like a 60-year marriage. Well, she is, uh, Lillian Michelson is regarded as one of the greatest film researcher, how she came to that craft and how she really blossomed as, as that. So they were married in 1947, and in 1961, at that point, they had already had three children. Lillian was home with the kids, and she really felt wanted to not be at home, not be a housewife, but use her brilliant mind. I mean, and Harold uh, found a job for her as an assistant at a research library at Samuel Goldwyn Studios, when they were working on West Side Story. And Lillian was thrilled to have an opportunity to support whatever Harold was doing. So it kind of started off this as uh, an opportunity to sort of get involved with um, doing something fascinating. Mm -hmm. She called it kind of like a, a college degree because she was learning about so many different subjects. Mm -hmm. And she was a volunteer there for uh, seven years. And... Um, I think after the first couple of years, like her volunteer work turned into like a low-paying gig, but it never really was about the money. And what happened is in 1969, because this is sort of the end of the traditional classic Hollywood studio system, and Samuel Golden was selling off several departments, including the research library, and it was offered to Harold Lillian, who had, did not have a lot of money, as, as you can imagine, especially to buy a research library. And what will you do with the research library? But mm -hmm. Lillian and Harold, they took uh, their life savings. They bought this library, and Lillian found a home for it yeah. at, the, at the American Film Institute and started working on movies like Fiddler on the Roof. And sort of, the as you, as you recall in the movie, the, you know, she... She, the thing that's unique and special about Lillian is that she had to find underwear. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she had to find underwear. She had to find all sorts of things, and that's what what's special about her. Yeah. No. The whole thing, and I, I feel, I fear in in this sort of conversation we're having about the film uh, Harold and Lillian, a Hollywood love story, is that I'm not going to be able to convey to the audience just how wonderful these people are as people i mean it's one of the great things about watching this film is they they obviously care deeply for one another you mentioned sort of the uh a different pace at which they came to love one another and but at mm. the same time once they are obviously uh in in love with one another and they seem like just wonderful people and also the other thing about the film is these are the people, uh, as you say, below the line. These are the people that are in the credits that we, and often not in the credits, actually, as you point out in the film, that are really the guts of making great films, giving it a look, giving it a, giving it an authenticity, making it, making it more than a story, making it in something that is, it is art, and um, that yeah. that's really what a lot of this film is about, in, including the love story. So. Uh, you're obviously a man who cares greatly about this part of film and Hollywood and and filmmaking. Uh, am, am I accurate in my in my assessment? Here? Yeah, I mean, I definitely care about, and I care a lot about the people that I'm documenting too. And yeah. it's really a testimony to them that they were willing, specifically to Harold and Lillian in this case, and specifically to Lillian because Harold had passed away in 2007. But yeah. Fortunately, I had archival material, archival interviews, two career-spanning interviews with Harold. But Lillian really, 
bears her soul in this film and really offers a very intimate, uh, poignant, funny, uh, amazing look at the, their life together. And, you know, Hollywood was the backdrop and they were working on all these extraordinary films with extraordinary d- directors and artists and at the same time dealing with the everyday life of raising a family and also raising an autistic son. Yeah, it's terrific stuff. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Daniel Ramey, he's the director of the new film, Harold and Lillian, A Hollywood Love Story. And um, again, I, I just sort of, I I want to make sure people understand there's just a lot going on in this terrific film. Um, and it is it is such a positive experience to, to watch just because um, Lillian is intelligent and she's honest, and she is a you know, she's a beautiful woman, by the way, and and uh, and so just so many things about it is it's a it's an easy watch, and and there's so much going on, and you get this terrific sort of backstory on Hollywood history, which is uh, amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, go ahead. And it's got a lot of jokes. And it's got a lot of jokes. That's right. We've got Mel Brooks. I've, yes, definitely, we've got a lot of jokes. Uh, and and also Harold's contributions. I mean, he sort of wore, it, it, how he got started in the business is an interesting and fascinating story that I'll leave for people to see when they go to the the movie. But it it's uh, the the way he kind of worked his way up, and it, it seems like there was almost a sort of a caste system that he seemed to break through when he went mm. uh, up to um, art direction uh, in his career. That seemed to be a big breakthrough, but. Is that is that a fair statement? And did it seem it just seems like it took him a long time to to get where he got? And he was happy when he was at the bottom of the totem pole okay. to a degree too. Yeah, it, you know when I he did he did rise up to become, you know, from the early 1950s uh, kind of a you know art department assistant all the way to an Academy Award nominated production designer for Star Trek the Motion Picture. Mm. So it's quite of an arc there in his career, but in his late life when I asked him what he enjoyed doing the most, he told me that his favorite thing to be doing was being alone in a room with a script directing on paper doing storyboards. Do you think and, he, yeah. Do you think he would have been a a, a good director? I think he was a great director on paper. I don't think he have had any interest in the politics and the human sort of, uh, you know, the the, 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 the working with act. I don't think that that would have been his interest because. But would he have been a great director? You know, the thing is, he was a great director, yeah. and he was he was a he and he 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 came up with these incredible shots. You know, like when Mike Nichols hired him to work on The Graduate. Mike Nichols was one of the great American Broadway directors, and The Graduate was only his second film. And Harold had just finished working on The Birds and Marnie. And when he got the, a hold of the script of The Graduate, he, the cinematographer loved Harold's storyboard so much that he basically set up the camera per every frame, including the very famous shot of... Seductions. Dustin Hoffman <laughs> between Anne Bancroft's leg, you know, so yes. the leg shot. It is. Yes. But he was a great director. It's yeah. hard to emphasize it, but I think it's important to note. Yeah, he was a great director. That's so fascinating. And, 
You're right. It was Robert Surtees, right? Surtees that, yes. that was the cinematographer, one of the all-time greatest cinematographers in the history of cinema. Right. And who was absolutely shot for shot taking, making Harold's movie. And uh, but it, it's just it. There's so many things in the film, and I, I don't yeah. I don't want to leave out Lillian because her contributions are significant to filmmaking. But because Harold's is so visual and it's a visual medium, it's easy to sort of you know be able to point and pick out the things that he. It is, and I think it's important to note as much as I am here saying he's a great he was a great director because he did he even referred to it as directing on paper. Yeah. But it's important to note that had a different cinematographer worked on The Graduate, um, you know, for example, had Haskell Wexler, who has a very different aesthetic and approach to the cinematography, who'd shot. Mike Nichols' first film, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, mm-hmm. also had, that was his first Academy Award. I, I don't think he would have used Harold's storyboards. And so I think that there was a, a, a kind of a, an extraordinary degree of luck meets talent in Harold's life, mm-hmm. and so, as well as Lillian's. You know, and also one of the other things that's fascinating, just as you are pointing out in, in that example, how just a matter of collaboration between two aspects of a film can make a significant difference, right? I mean, the difference yeah. between the art direction, the cinematographer, and, and then you throw into that mix the director, and you throw into that mix, you, you, there's other things. So there is always that sort of uh, the aligning of the stars, if you will, when you're, when you're working on a film uh, can be the difference between it being a, a wonderful, a great film and, and a not-so-great film, and very easily... Uh, with very Absolutely. very talented people, well, it, yeah. It, yeah. Well, what what if you, as a filmmaker you're, you're around people you're around these two very influential and wonderful people who are involved in filmmaking, and you obviously got to know them many years ago, twenty years ago. You met Harold. Mm-hmm. Um, what is uh, about making this film? Is it in any significant way changed your outlook on film or your the way you approach film? How has it impacted you? You know, it's a great question. And my outlook on film, there definitely was a, a, a tremendous amount of discovery for me, um, getting kind of into the process of really understanding and, and dissecting uh, their their working methods and how they what they really brought to the films and understanding film grammar on a deeper level as well because looking at Harold's boards you're looking at sort of the signature style of different directors and again not to sort of repeat ourselves here but the graduate storyboards are more more mostly Harold's signature style which is kind of wild while his storyboards on a Hitchcock picture are truly a kind of a merging of the minds in many many respects mm. of course um but learning learning about film and definitely what her film researcher brought to the movies. I mean, when De Palma wanted to make Scarface, he turned to Lillian to find out what drug lords, you know, about the about that whole world and to visualize that world and get the information necessary to authentic create an authentic screenplay and, and visualize it through the production design and cinematography and the acting and the wardrobes and everything. Yeah. Lillian kind of took it upon herself to open her Rolodex and find, you know, drug lords that she would had was acquainted with. Yeah, like, that was and, a, that's a great story and then we all it's yeah. Harold wasn't yeah. too thrilled, but it's but it, it was it definitely is <laughs> is a is a part of it's part of this. 
Well, this is, again, I, I want to remind our listeners that the film is uh, uh, Harold and Lillian, a Hollywood love story, is opening here in Los Angeles. It's at the um, Lemley Monica Theater in uh, Santa Monica. It's at mm-hmm. the Encino 5 in uh, Encino, obviously. Uh, the Playhouse 7 in Pasadena. And you can go to the Harold and Lillian dot com website to find out more about the film where it's where it will be screening it is rolling out across the country um and it is a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes and mm. it is the reviews have been spectacular it's won awards there's no reason in the world not to run out and see harold and lillian uh, this weekend and beyond um daniel congratulations on a terrific documentary Thank you. And also, I'd like to add that Lillian will be attending some Q&As, Lillian and myself, including uh, opening night, Friday night in uh, Santa Monica at the 7.30 show and throughout the weekend. Oh, fantastic. And we'll post on the website fantastic. the details. Okay, so that's the Monica Film Center in Santa Monica. Uh, and uh, it's a terrific theater, a terrific place to go. So the 7.30 screening, and then after that, you'll do the Q&A. Uh, see that. And then... Uh, that's great. And by the way, I didn't mention uh, Danny DeVito is the executive producer, longtime friend of Harold's and Lillian's and uh, terrific presence in the film as well. Daniel Rehm, thank you very much for being here. I hope uh, next project, next film, next documentary, whatever you're working on, I hope you find some time to come back and visit us again here on Film School. Enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Daniel. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.